Welcome to the One Life City Church podcast. This is the One Life City Church podcast. This is the summer Bible study series. Uh, I am Pastor Elliot, and today I am with Pastor Vanessa, who is just fresh off her trip from Ireland. I don't know, so we might get just extra kind of anointing, I don't know, from this Ireland trip that she, uh, she may have been on. Um, instead of putting her on the spot, I think maybe I could share one interesting thing that I found out about you, Vanessa, much later on. I found out, like, I think maybe last year that you actually used to do ballet. Yeah. That was so cool. Yes, yeah. That is true. I spent a lot of a lot of my years growing up doing a lot of ballet. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, was it competitively or was it just, like, you know, lesson-wise and just and just really enjoying it and stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was taking classes, um, you know, like, five days a week. But then I was also – I was part of different groups um, that – where we would perform um, with, with kind of some of the other styles of dance, with, like, jazz mm-hmm. and tap and stuff. There would be some competitions with that as well. Wow. So. Yeah, it was like, it was a big part of my life, um, yeah. like dancing six days a week for a lot of years. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. I, I like to think that I could dance, but when I look back on videos, I'm like, oh, I, that, that's not me. That's not, so that's really cool. <laughs> you've, that You've got other giftings. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, so very cool. And um, thank you so much for taking the time, you know, to do this podcast and really look forward to just um, what you'll be unpacking with us today in, in this time together. So um, with that, we'll be, let's just go straight into our reading. And uh, you want to go into Hebrew chapter 10 mm-hmm. and the first 18 verses. Yeah. So why don't we just go into it? Um, you mind reading that for us and getting us started? Yeah. Um, I'll be reading from the ESV translation. Um, so Hebrews 10, starting out in verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, 
I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Yeah, so let's just go straight into it, Vanessa. Like, what are some, what are some observations that you make here? Any kind of like um, things that you see? Anything kind of key phrases, repetitions, anything that stand mm-hmm. out, cause and effects? So I feel like there's a lot of, there's like law language there. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of those kind of unpack. But um, yeah. what are some things that stand out for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, kind of reading through this the first time, and even the first couple times, um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> obviously like felt a little overwhelmed by it um, because there, there is so much language um, that, that kind of comes from like the Hebrew scriptures, right? It Mm -hmm. talks a lot about the law and sacrifices and, and the priests offering these sacrifices. Mm. Um, And so obviously, you know, this is a letter to the Hebrews, um, Hebrew Christians, Jewish people from the line of Israel and, and so the author is, is kind of speaking to them in this context where they know their Jewish scriptures yeah. um, really well. And they, they come from this context of following the law and, mm. um, and seeing the priests make the sacrifices. Yeah. And so it makes a lot of sense to them. But, you know, for us, as I, I, I don't come from a, a Jewish background. Yeah. A little bit um, removed it, from that context. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it seems a bit overwhelming, like, oh, mm. it's a lot to chew off. Like, what what are they really getting at here? Yeah. But yeah, like we said, just that that talk of sacrifice um, mm. is really big throughout here. And it's interesting that it's saying that, you know, sacrifice is actually not <laughs> what God desired, mm. um, that that mm. wasn't the thing that was going to make them perfect or make yeah. them sanctified. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard to deny the connection um, I, I think scholars still aren't sure who who the author of Hebrews is, mm-hmm. right? But you could tell. Well, first of all, Hebrews in itself is a very thick book, mm-hmm. and so I mean, we're just looking at these eighteen verses, and already there's so much um, Jewish culture there. But then there's there's a lot of Christology, like rich Christology of how the writer is connecting what Jesus did to how it connects to the the Hebrew laws, and so it, it's it's. Even though we don't know who it is, we could tell very clearly by the intent what the author is trying to communicate. Um, and so, yeah, that definitely comes out. Um, yeah, the theme of, of sacrifice, like, as you mentioned, comes out often. The, the idea of uh, the law comes out very often. It's it's, it's all over um, Hebrews. But I, th- mm-hmm. I thought what thing that was interesting is there's also the idea of um, a couple twice when, when it's related to Christ, a Jesus specifically is talking about this is God's will. This is the will of God. Mm-hmm. And I, that was one thing that kind of jumped out um, as we we're reading this. Yeah, that that was definitely something that stood out to me too. And and as I was reading it, then kind of like the question that it brought to mind of um, so what what is that, right? What what mm-hmm. is God's will? What is it yeah. referring to? Yeah. Um, when it says that here, because that's obviously it's it's kind of in some ways being offered like in contrast to the law mm-hmm. and the sacrifices that yeah. um, that they were told to do in the law. Yeah. And it's saying like, that's not what it was about, right? Like at the heart of it, like mm, yeah. <laughs> God wanted this Christ figure, wanted the the people, um, his chosen people um, to do his will. And yeah. that that's 
really what yeah. was at the heart of it. So then it does beg that question. So what? So what is that? Right? What is mm-hmm. what is God's will that yeah. he's that he's getting at that he wants? Yeah. Us to do? Let's see if we can unpack that a little more. And like as you get into interpretation, but maybe um, just kind of step, take a step backwards. Like, what are some things that would kind of do you think might contribute to that? Like, what are some things at least within t- in this text that are like being highlighted? What kind of sacrifices mm-hmm. are we talking about? Maybe we could talk, and maybe there are some historical and cultural things that we could kind of unpack here in, in this in mm-hmm. this uh, text. Anything like jump out? Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, one thing, even kind of going back to to what you were saying about Hebrews as a whole, and some of the things that we're seeing here in this passage, we see kind of throughout the whole book. For for one, there's um a lot of the the Hebrew scriptures being quoted. Um, mm, so, yeah. you know, we, we see here in verses five through seven, mm. he's quoting something that comes from Psalm 40, um, mm. which in, if you go back to Psalm 40, that's also quoting something from first Samuel 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So there's, there's like these words that are used here in this text have been used in other places in the Hebrew scripture. Um, and that's something that we see a lot throughout this, this whole letter to the Hebrews. Yeah. Um, and it also seems like the author is, you know, trying to like appeal to, to his audience and, and like trying to like make an argument, like almost convince them, right? By using their scriptures um, to like convince them that Jesus really is the fulfillment of, of your mm, scriptures. Yeah. And and kind of just this reminder to to not turn away from Jesus, to know that following Jesus is even not just like turning away from their Jewish roots, but mm. uh, following Jesus is really about the the fulfillment yeah. of everything from throughout their history their religion their culture yeah yeah i I think that's one of the things that um at least for me personally in my kind of walk it wasn't until much later at probably in college where the connection between the old testament and the new testament started kind of making sense for me um and one one of the things that is um i mean in the beginning talks about just how you have to make so many sacrifices to atone for our sins and just and I think verse four, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But then mm-hmm. that was like the system that was caught up mm-hmm. in, and um, and then it talks about how Jesus fulfills that. That you know, there's like this impossible, um, like a, a, a hamster wheel of of doing religion, mm-hmm. and then Jesus brings in a whole new system of pursuing mm-hmm. God and having a relationship with God. Um, the idea of like. And because in the Old Testament, the idea of worship and the talks of worship in the beginning of this text, like the idea of worship was really just that, like offering sacrifices. And like I remember one of my mentors in college, he talked about when we think about Old Testament worship, it actually looks more like a slaughterhouse than like what we have now. You know, it's, it's not like <laughs> yeah. there's no lights. There's no like person like singing or I mean, there's a person singing, but it's not, it's not like this like. Yeah, it looks very bloody. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right. and, and so like it's the idea like there's there's a there's a cost for sin, then there's 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 a weight to sin, and then Jesus fulfills that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's interesting too because even throughout this, even as it's saying, you know, like sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, obviously it's like it's in God kind of establishing the law with them, mm. like God commanded them to do these sacrifices, yeah. right? So it almost it almost sounds um, 
I don't know. It almost sounds like a little hypocritical, <laughs> right? Of God of like, you established this, you told us to do hmm. these sacrifices. And now it's like, that's, that's not really what you desired. Um, but I think that kind of what it's getting at there is like, it's not necessarily that God like is bloodthirsty, right? It's not mm. that he like needs this to like satisfy his own like thirst for vengeance, but it, um, you know, it talks about here in, in verse three, in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. Mm. Like those, the sacrifices that the sacrificial system that, that God has had established with his people was almost more for them, you know, mm. for them to be reminded of of their sin, so that they would also be reminded of their need for God. Mm. Yeah, you know, oh, that, um, yeah. they would also be reminded of of His grace and His mercy and forgiveness, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it, wow. as I had I had mentioned in in verses five through seven, where it's like quoting Psalm forty, which Psalm forty is quoting First <laughs> Samuel fifteen. If you go all the way back there and and read those words in the context um it's samuel talking to king saul when um saul has disobeyed god mm. um and and he's saying you know you can't you can't come and think that just because you're following the law and you're offering these sacrifices every year that you're just like clean and you're like in the clear if you're going through the motions and doing these things but your heart is actually not Hmm. trusting God and following God, then you're missing the point. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting, you know, it's, it's not to say that the whole law or the whole sacrificial system, it's not saying like, we just need to throw that all out. It's useless, mm-hmm. but it's like, you have to understand what the heart is behind that. Like what was God's mm-hmm. heart in that? What did he yeah. desire for, for his people in yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. When it comes to interpretation, I think there is a key question here, and that is, what is God's will? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, we already started talking about it with the idea of sin and the uh, the Old Testament system of atoning for our sins. And then mm-hmm. we, Jesus en- enters into the picture, and there's a different way. Um, God has a different will, if you will, <laughs> of approaching <laughs> sin. So let's see if you can try to answer that question. What is God's will here? For humanity, for Jesus, for our sin, how do you even go about answering that? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a big question. <laughs> yeah, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> um, one of the things, you know, as I was reading through here, a word that I saw come up a couple times um, was this word of body. <laughs> um, mm. So where it it yeah. says in in verse five, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Mm. Um, right? I think that there's something, there's like a connection there between the doing God's will and that body part of it, which, mm. you know, still seems a little vague. Okay, like what, yeah, what yeah. does that mean? And then if you go down to verse 10, um, yes. and it's it kind of repeats that again of that, behold, I have come to do your will. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Mm. And as I read that and think about that, you know, I think that often we think about even the sacrifice of Jesus. 
we kind of think about it in the same way as like these blood sacrifices that have been offered, right? Mm. Like, and if we're thinking about it in this way, you know, God like needs this sacrifice um, to, to kind of satisfy um, his mm. thirst for justice and vengeance, then it's kind of easy to just see it in this really transactional way, mm-hmm. which I feel like, you know, again, if we go back to first Samuel 15, it's like, it's not just that transaction that you just yeah. do this act and then you're good. Right. Like I want your heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But this idea of like, the sacrifice of or the offering of the body of Jesus Christ is not just about his death on the cross, but it's also about like him coming in the flesh, yeah. you know, yeah. God coming in the flesh, um, the embodiment of who God is and and what he desires for the world, mm. um, what he desires for us. And so I think that there's something to that in if we want to understand what the will, like God's will mm-hmm. is, like we got to look at Jesus in the flesh. Yes. We got to yeah. look at so the embodiment yeah. of God incarnate um, yeah. to understand what God's will is. Yeah. yeah I love that. Um, I, I think one of the things that um, the evangelical Christianity faith that I, I think you and I grew up and was a part of or are mm-hmm. um, coming from, so much of it has been about the gospel is what we're being saved from. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, if you want to be saved from your sins, then, you know, and trust in Jesus, pray the Lord's prayer, sinner's prayer, and all that stuff. And then you're good. But I, I'm realizing now what that has done is I, I, it made me desire, like, what am I being saved into? Not just what I'm being saved from. Mm-hmm. And I think so what you're communicating, I, it reminds me of that. It's like when we talk about Jesus, we're not just talking about, um, the way Jesus filled the law wasn't just in his death and his resurrection, but in his life and how he lived mm-hmm. it and how he interacted with people. And mm-hmm. and for us, the, the cleansing of our hearts, the cleansing of our sin is living like Jesus, not just like, mm-hmm. um, and that in itself, that is a practice of dying to ourselves, that we die to our right. um, arrogant, selfish desires so that we could uh, embody the way Jesus embodied love and empathy and, and compassion and all that stuff. So um, mm-hmm. I, I hear you because the will of God isn't just for us to be like, to become nothing and become like worthless, mm-hmm. um, but it's quite the opposite. It's to become what we're created into, which is more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ and how, how he lived yeah. out his life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, obviously in this, as, as he's, he's talking to you, the Hebrew people, these, these Jewish Christians um, who are coming from this context of the law. For us, we're not necessarily coming from that same context. We are already coming convinced of, of who Jesus is, mm. right? And we're, we're yeah. on the other, living on the other side of, of Jesus. Um, but I think that even as much as we talk about forgiveness and grace, there's sometimes still still that desire to like rely on the laws mm. and commands. And, and even in this, as, as we try to wrestle with, okay, so what is God's will? We almost like want it to be really clear, like step-by-step, step, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You need to do these things. You need to not do these things. Um, but there is something here where it's, it's not always so clear cut <laughs> mm. like that. Right. The, the idea of, of Jesus in the flesh, um, showing us what God's will is, 
mm-hmm. is not as like clear cut black and white as if we just had like a list of rules <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. to follow. And, and sometimes that's really scary and hard and yeah. uncomfortable. Um, sometimes it would just be easier to just have that list of rules to yeah, follow. Yeah. Yeah. And that might be a good plug to also check back Katie's sermon a couple of weeks ago. Cause mm-hmm. she, she talks about this topic, but just to kind of bring it back to the text, like I think what we're talking about here, I think it makes sense that obviously uh, the chapter doesn't end at verse 18. It continues right. on mm-hmm. and the whole next part that it's all about how do we live out our faith? Right. How do you persevere? In our faith? So like, there's like, mm-hmm. it's like the will of God isn't just for us to die to ourselves, but all to, to live to who, who God created us to be. And so I think, like, as you read that, I, I feel like that'll, that'll kind of bring us full circle because it's, it's not just about that part. Because um, I think so much of our, our faith isn't just about appeasing our guilt, um, but mm-hmm. our, our faith is really about how do we how do we live this life well? How do we live this life in, in a way that that perpetuates love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, mm-hmm. and self-control? Um, and, yeah, sorry, and, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Say, yeah, and and there are, like you said, as you as you kind of go on um, in the chapter, as it gets into verses like 22 um, through 25, it, I feel like in, in some ways it kind of gives you like pieces of that where it's talking about like, let's draw near <laughs> to mm, God. Yeah. Um, let's spur each other on towards love and good works. Let's continue yeah. meeting together and encouraging together. And those are all pieces of that, right? Yeah. Those are pieces of, of God's will and what he's wanting mm. for us that we draw near to him. And then in the midst of that, that we're living in community in a way that spurs us on to yeah. towards love and towards doing, yeah. <laughs> doing good to others. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, in there, like there's also the body um, brought up like uh, verse mm-hmm. uh, um, 22, um, uh, having our hearts mm-hmm. sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So mm-hmm. it kind of brings us back to that whole body language. I think I think before that it talks about the body a little bit too. Um, right. So again, it's it's a reminder that our faith is is an embodied faith. It's not just mm-hmm. it doesn't happen in our minds. It doesn't happen yes. just in theory and academia, but it's a thing that we live out. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm I'm processing something, and it's related to this. And and but if it feels like a tangent, let me know. <laughs> okay. I think um, and and we're gonna talk some like um, it's gonna sound like theological hoity-toity words but it's the idea of atonement right we already talked about that and um um in most evangelical circles it's the understanding of how that works is uh, a substitutionary atonement where jesus he died for our sins right and there's that but um one thing that um someone um uh, introduced me to recently and something that i'm processing i forgot the term that he the specific word that he used but it's the idea of that the way Jesus offers his body for the cleansing of our sin isn't necessarily, isn't that like you mentioned, like, isn't, is it because God is bloodthirsty because he, but instead he wants our blood cleansed. He wants our sinfulness cleansed. Mm-hmm. And so the, the analogy that he uses is Jesus, the way Jesus atones for our sins is by being like a dialysis machine where he takes the mm-hmm. impure, dirty blood and it, it gets sanctified through the work that Jesus did on the cross and then infuses us with this new life that is of Christ. Um, and so it's not, it's the idea that um, we're being cleansed and it's, it's a continual cycle that's happening mm-hmm. through what Jesus did and is doing on the cross. And it's not just this one time thing um, that Jesus 
uh, the, you know, one of my favorite hymns growing up was a, you know, one of the hymns that I grew up singing was Jesus paid it all, all to him. I owe. Um, but it's instead it's, it's no, Jesus is still paying. And yet we're mm-hmm. like, and we're still being made, made more and more. And it's more like the, the children's song that we grew up is little by little bit every day, little by little mm-hmm. bit, Jesus is changing me. And, and he was saying, what if that's the atonement process that Jesus is inviting us into and not just this one-time thing and you're good to go, mm-hmm. but this continual walking, uh, embodying, persevering. Um, and so like, that's something that, that I'm kind of processing. Yeah. As, as you say that, um, I was just thinking of here in this passage, verse 14, where it says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Mm. Where even in there, we've, I mean, there's kind of like two different verb tenses there, right? Of like what Jesus yeah. has done, right? It talks about that, that Jesus was this offering yes. and it, it was, we just needed this one offering and, and he completed it. But there's also this idea of that we are still being sanctified, yeah. wow. right? His, yeah, so his offering yeah. has perfected us. There's, there's something that's already been done, but then there's also, we are continuing to be sanctified. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's I think that's so that's so on point. I think that's a pretty good setup for application. How do we what do we do with this text? And we talked about a lot of like rich theological stuff. Mm -hmm. We talked about atonement. We talked about sin. We talked about Christology, (laughs) you know, Um, big stuff, but when it comes down to it at the end, and we were kind of hinted at this is, but really how do we live this out in a real Mm -hmm. way? So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you, Vanessa? What do you think? Um, yeah. What what do you think the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Yeah. Um, in some ways I feel like it's not going to be like, again, it's not going to be like a super like (laughs) clear cut, like this is, this is what we got to do now. Um, but it is this idea that, um, that it's not enough for us to just like go through the motions. Um, and it's mm. also, and it's also like, God doesn't just want us to, to just have like a head knowledge of mm. um, what is good and what is bad, what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. But the, what God is wanting for us, he wants, he wants us to draw near to him and he wants us like from that place to do his will. And so there has to be this uh, relationship and this continuing mm. to um, continuing to learn who God is, continuing to have um, kind of our eyes opened to who God is. You know, there's there's a lot of ways we can do that, but I think a lot of that is through Jesus, through continuing yeah. to look at who Jesus is and how He lived His life. Um, actually, at the at the very beginning of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter one. It, it talks about um, Jesus being the radiance of the glory of God and the mm. exact imprint of his mm. nature. And so yeah. I think that that's part of that sanctification process that we were talking about is yeah. continuing to draw near and continuing to, to look at who Jesus is and, and allow ourselves to be formed by that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not like a super like clear cut, like, okay, this is what you got to go out and do. Um, but I think it's more of of a call to a certain posture, mm. you know, mm. that, um, that God's will, what he's wanting for us to do is uh, 
to continue to draw near, to continue to learn who he is so that we can be, yeah. um, be shaped by him. Yeah. I, I, I hear you on all that. I, um, I feel like that invitation is, is, is so clear. One of the ways I'm kind of looking at this text is there's definitely a clear intent, uh, like what the author is trying to do with his or her original audience. Mm-hmm. And that is to build upon the existing fo- like religious foundation, but do it in a Christ-centered way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think so much of it, just from this text, and I, mean, I guess it's safe to, cons- uh, uh, safe to assume from other texts in the, in the New Testament, especially how um, empty a lot of these religious uh, practices have felt it was, and then a lot of religion has been exploited, right, and and manipulated, and it's been a tool of oppression and power and all that stuff. And we see that in the New Testament in Jesus's time, and we we see that now. And, and so, like, I think mm-hmm. about just how there are kind of similar things happening in the original audience and us now. And mm-hmm. so, I, I think about how this really is a call for us for people who claim to follow the ways of Jesus to really do that, to get back to what does it mean to follow Jesus? And then, and, and yeah, and, and just to do that faithfully. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm, I kind of hear that. And like the text says, like in the beginning, like the religious system was there to remind us of our sins. And I wonder in some of the ways that we have been practicing our religion, Christianity, it's a reminder of our sin. And a reminder of how, how even the most odd, like I, I would like to think that in earnest and you know attempt that's still how sinful how, how much sin come, pops out in in mm-hmm. these institutions of Christianity and it's it's a very clear um, call to like hey let's let's focus on Jesus yeah. and in it we find the will of God yeah yeah I I think that that sometimes in in the church today um, whether for people who are in the church or on the outside looking in um, kind of what we see a lot is is a lot of division, a lot yeah. of of kind of debating over what certain scriptures mean and yeah. and and what we're being commanded to do, and and really like using the scripture as as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I've kind of had this thought before that I think that sometimes you know God might kind of be sitting there looking at that and like you're fighting so much about like the interpretation of these words or like what's right and what's wrong when like what I'm wanting you to do is like be my representatives to who the world is mm-hmm. <laughs> like that mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not who I am right yeah. like I'm wanting you to love like love mm-hmm. the people in front of you mm-hmm. um and so I think kind of similarly to to maybe some of what the scripture was speaking to with the Hebrew people at that time like we still see that today where we're like we're just kind of getting it wrong, like what the point of, mm, <laughs> of mm, these mm. scriptures are about. Mm, um, mm. When God's like, man, I, I want you, I want you to, to use these scriptures to get to know who I am, um, mm. to draw near to me so that you can be my body, that you, yeah. you can do my will in this world. You can yeah. love others. Yeah. yeah. And earlier in, when you quoted 14, verse 14, I feel like that's like mm-hmm. almost like a, almost like a summary verse, I feel like, from a lot of what we talked about, which is, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are, are being saved. And so, yeah, the call is for us to, let's, let's point to Jesus, mm-hmm. who, who lived this out perfectly. And it, he sacrificed not only in his, in his dying, but in his living. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and as we seek to emulate and imitate his life, um, let's let that be the process of us being made holy in, in, in all things and not just in our theology and in our doctrine, and which are very important things, but also in the way we embody our faith, which mm-hmm. I feel like is just as important. So, yeah, yeah I, I hear you. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for this. Um, it's I feel like I, I feel so blessed to be on these side of the conversations because I, I feel like I take so much. And um, Vanessa, what, what you bring to the table, um, not only in this context, but for a whole church and, and for our community, it's um, it's so, so sacred, so holy. And uh, we receive it as a gift. Thank you so much. Thank you. And so with that, y'all, um, please tune in next week. We're going to continue um, the series and and seeing what the Holy Spirit has uh, for us. So thank you so much for tuning in. And um, we'll see y'all next week. Thanks for joining us. This is a podcast of One Life City Church in Fullerton, California. If you would like to connect with us, visit our website at onelifecitychurch.org or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram.